Now the much, how you doing, Alex? Good man, good. You, me, episode two. Oh, almost rhymed. <laughs> and I wasn't trying to rhyme because I cannot rhyme for anything. But welcome to a brand new episode of your weekly edition of Master and Apprentice, where I, Alex, teach my good buddy Rusty more about Star Wars on a weekly basis. So this week, we're actually going to be talking a little bit more about the entire Star Wars timeline. Well, not the entire Star Wars timeline. We're just pretty much going to be talking about the timeline in general. Um, What I think about it, what Rusty thinks about it what the coolest parts of the timeline might be, and hopefully Rusty can explore new timeline areas he may have not known about. So we'll get into it then. Um, Rusty, what would you say is your favorite era of Star Wars right now? Um, I mean, right now it's kind of hard to to say, considering just that my knowledge of it at the beginning is kind of um, small and a little narrow. So I mean... Timeline-wise, I would probably say the new one that's been brought to my attention is probably the the era of Yoda, like with the um, Mandalorian. I think that's a real interesting timeline to kind of go okay. way back, almost kind of before like the Jedi were really as powerful as they were in um, like the prequels. Right. So the era that you were talking about actually is a... Um... It's after episode six, as far as what time frame in after episode six, I'm not exactly 100% sure. I want to say it's relatively recent because um, you still kind of see the Empire rummaging about a little bit. Um, you don't see too many of the things that happen within episode seven. What I mean, what happened in episode seven, I mean, like you don't see First Order stormtroopers. We don't see... A lot of the First Order stuff, we still see a lot of the old Imperial stuff, which kind of makes me think we're still in maybe a couple couple years after um, Episode 6 at this point in time. Um, but for me, man, I, I want to say I, I really like the prequel era. I really do. Um, I like them growing up, and I really like the Clone Wars. Um and the Clone Wars show definitely personified, per se, um, my enjoyment of the prequels. Um, a lot of people hated them when they came out. And granted, yeah, they may have not been perfect. And yeah, they have a huge emphasis sometimes on uh, CGI instead of practical effects. which is It is what it is, man. But for me, I just love the fact that there's a ton of Jedi running around. And they have really cool ideas with... Um, different uh points of interest technically you can say the same thing about the original trilogy but for me having all those jedi run around having those bigger battles between jedi and sith and i i love the clones man i don't know what it is but i love the clones i like clones more than any other trooper uh, more than stormtroopers more than forced order stormtroopers i love the clones mainly because it's probably because they're colorful. Um, they got different markings on them. There's so many different types of clone armor. I don't know. And the Clone Wars, the show, um, really, really helped me enjoy that um, that 
clone trooper aesthetic, I guess you could say. Um, but that's probably my favorite area or era of Star Wars. So that being said, why don't you describe to me what is your basic idea of the Star Wars timeline from start to finish? Technically, there's no start. There technically is no finish, but I would love to hear yours. So, I mean, for me, a lot of it was um, probably very, very similar to yours um, in the sense of, you know, obviously the classics came out long before we were born, but that was kind of my established timeline for the Star Wars universe initially. And then, um, you know, after you had that, then they were kind of slowly trying to backtrack to fill in a lot of the answers. Uh, I'm sorry, fill in a lot of the questions that people had about, you know, like who was uh, Luke's father, who was his mother, what actually happened to Anakin to make him go all uh, Vader and things like that. And, um, you know, it kind of just seems like the timeline's a little all over the place. But my general, like, I guess, view of the timeline is it's not right, but it kind of started with episode um, what is it? Five. Okay. From like a canonical point of view? Yeah, well, and just kind of from when I was exposed to it. So, oh, right. So, no. Yeah. I guess I uh, misspoke then. Um, like, when did you see Star Wars start? Like in, in an actual canonical timeline? Like when did um, the first Jedi hypothetically come out to be? Like, what was your rational understanding of when star wars started oh yeah see that's kind of one of those things that i don't really um know much about because they haven't really covered a lot of that in the the movies and in the tv shows um i know they tried to talk about it a little bit in what was it um was it the last jedi that they they didn't give you an exact timeline, but they were hinting at like the original Island and the manuscripts and things like that. Right. Show how old it was. Um, but as far as, you know, the, the length of time, I have really no idea of kind of where it originated or who the first Jedi was. Um, I know there, there was some talk about it in, I think it was rebels or clone wars or something like that. Um, where they, hint at it but they don't really do much in-depth detail about it right right um so that's one thing i love about star wars man is it's it's ever expanding they go always continuously they go in the past they go in the future they do in between things and this is one of the franchises that in my personal opinion always loves to explore what hasn't been explored yet um or maybe even continuously touch upon things that have been explored um like, let's take Marvel, for example. I always bring up Marvel as kind of like a reference because I feel like Marvel and Star Wars have a very similar fan base in terms of how people view the films. There's your casual people like you, potentially, who might just like like the films. They find them kind of cool. But then there's people like me who are like really hardcore fans who are like, well, deep dive into character analysis or really try to figure out like every nook and cranny of that scene. Um, but Marvel you take a character like, let's just say, um, Luke Skywalker, right? Or Darth Vader or Anakin Skywalker. And you're always wondering what were they like before Jedi? 
right? Or what were they like before this incident? What were they like before this situation? What was the galaxy like? Like, what happened? Um, was there anything happening? Whereas you take a character like Tony Stark, before Iron Man, not a lot of people cared. Not a lot of people cared about him. They were just like, oh, he's just a dude. He just lives here. And, you know, that's what he is. Um, to me, though, I feel like everyone wants to continuously know what happened before, what happened after, what happened during, what's this period, what's that period. Because there's so many cool and interesting things about the Star Wars timeline, man. It goes for thousands upon thousands of years. Um, and that's one thing I love about Star Wars. It's always expanding. They're actually making a brand new book series about what they're now calling the High Republic. And the High Republic is based on the Old Republic. And the Old Republic is, I believe it's like a thousand years prior to episode one. Like, you have a massive Jedi temple still on Coruscant, um, filled with a whole bunch of Jedi, kind of like you generally would see in episode one, two, and three. Um, but in this, the rule of two, which we can talk about in a bit wasn't established for the Sith. So you see a ton of Sith running around and you see a Sith homeworld. Um, and there was a big battle between the Sith and the Jedi and it was, it was really cool. Um, but that was, like I said, a thousand years before episode one. Um, getting that ability to have an expansive timeline and story to the point where you're always continually thinking what happened before Luke Skywalker. What happened before Anakin Skywalker? You know, what happened after Luke Skywalker? What he do after episode six? Like, those are the common questions that we a lot of times see in the Star Wars universe. Not as much in other franchises. You can correct me if I'm wrong, but like I kind of mentioned with the whole Tony Stark thing, people just didn't care about Tony before he was Iron Man. Um, so I don't, I don't see the franchise really replicating that. And like I said, man, please correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah, I mean, the the only thing that you see, that, and I'm not a huge Marvel fan either. Um, just kind of like you, like a casual, and I I really enjoy the universe that they've created, and it's interesting to see how, um, as we discussed in the first episode, they they kind of characters together, but they're not together all the time. There's been a couple movies like. Um, what is it, Captain America? Um, what was that? Civil War, I think it was. Um, that they showed all the characters finally starting to intermingle, but not a lot of backstory. And like the only one that they do a little bit on was probably Captain America and Iron Man. And the way they viewed Tony Stark was basically he was some brilliant genius that, you know, kind of didn't give much thought and or attention to the fact that he could you know solve a lot of problems he was out just like playboy um and then captain america was just you know some person that basically was too scrawny weak to get in the military and he kept applying to every place he possibly could wanting to you know uh put his life on the line for the country but other than that there's not a lot of backstory on all the other characters like you were saying yeah and i mean like I don't think there's a lot of interest because they were just average everyday normal people. Right. And yeah, a lot of these people like these characters because of who they became, not who they once were. Um, and I know in star Wars, since that's really a theme of the entire saga series franchise, um, 
of who these people were. Was this person a Jedi? If they were, where they come from? If not, like where this family come from? What happened years prior to these events? Um, and I think that's that's the coolest thing about Star Wars. Because I mean, like when you hear a thousand years before Episode One, right? You may think, yo, what was that like? When you hear a thousand years before Tony Stark, you may not care. Like, well, I'm here for Tony Stark. I'm here for Iron Man. I'm not here before Iron Man. Yeah, I want to see more Iron Man. Um, I probably offended like a ton of people because they're like, <laughs> well, actually, if you look in um, Iron Man 355, I'm making fun of myself too, man, because I'm a nerd. I get it. I have a whole bunch of Star Wars collectibles, so I can make fun of myself. And I have two Infinity Gauntlets. Totally unrelated to Iron Man. But just in case I do offend anyone, that's not my intention because I'm a massive nerd too. So feel free to roast me if you can. Or if you will. Because, you know, hey, I just made fun of myself too. Um, I know a lot of people were like, hey, this happened in this comic where they kind of went back in time. And there was like this old ancient Iron Man. I'm not really too, too versed in the comics. I've read a, a, a bit, but not to the point where I'm just like, I know everything. Like, there are some people who are like super infatuated with comics where they'll read every single little detail and they'll be like, well, in Iron Man number 452, it actually was stated this. Um, but back to the topic at hand, before I get too deviated away, um, thousand years before episode one that is such a cool era to explore the whole timeline of star wars is cool to explore because so many cool things happened like for example man um when george lucas made four five and six right that that's all there was four five and six only after five he created four five and six meaning he created his one, two, and three to eventually be four, five, and six, so that way you can do one, two, and three. I know it might be confusing to the people who don't listen or watch Star Wars, but George Lucas intended originally he just was going to do three movies one, two, and three, and that was it. Just uh, New Hope, Empire Strikes Back, Return of the Jedi, call it a day. But then he really wanted to explore Anakin's past. So he said, you know what? No, no, no. I want this to be four. And then he started to do more. Originally, he had nine films. He had nine films, um, but he never got to actually do um, the seven, eight, nine, because he eventually, unfortunately, was bullied out of his, his role in a way, um, which is quite a shame. But I mean, after after uh, four, five, and six, he technically didn't even need to do one, two, and three. He didn't need it, but it expanded the universe, right? He didn't have a formula, and that's what's great about Star Wars. Sometimes you don't have a formula. Um, when you are doing something like the Clone Wars, which was in between 2 and 3 and eventually is up into 3, um, you, you do have to follow some formula. You have to follow this guideline of this character can't die because they're already in 3. This scene can't happen because that happens later. These two characters can't meet because they meet the first time in this scene. But as a general consensus, you're pretty much free to do what you want. Free to explore new stories. Free to explore a lot of new things. And what I love about these type of things that happen, man, it really expands your entire knowledge, not just of that scene, not just of that character, but of the entire 
franchise of Star Wars. Like, for example, man, watching 4, 5, and 6 was great, right? I liked 4, 5, and 6. But then watching 1, 2, and 3 really made you think about 4, 5, and 6 in a totally new and different way. Like, to the point where, like, when Obi-Wan in Episode 4 was talking about the Clone Wars, you then know, you're like, yo. And you kind of get, like, a visualization of what that truly is now because you've witnessed Attack the Clones. You've witnessed the Clone Wars. You've witnessed all of that firsthand. So you know exactly now what Obi-Wan is talking about when he says, I fought in the Clone Wars. So you're like, yo, he fought in the Clone Wars. This is Obi-Wan. Like, originally, man, when I was looking at Obi-Wan in Episode 4, I'm like, he's just Obi-Wan. It is what it is. just this character that he occasionally helps Luke via the Force and kind of gives him guidance. But you never knew, like, who Obi-Wan was until these prequels, man. But now that Obi-Wan's a thing, and, of course, we're getting a new Obi-Wan series, like, it makes you definitely think so much more. And give you so much more clarity and details into each of the, one of these films and TV episodes. I don't know if that's how you feel, but man, that's how I feel. Yeah, I mean, I I feel like in the originals, um, for example, using Obi Wan, you know, you didn't see that he was really as um, good, if you will, as he actually was when you look into his past. Obviously, he was not in his prime when he fights in the original movies. But, you know, when you see the Clone Wars series or even before that, if you were to watch episodes one, two and three, they show you just kind of how, I guess, just how strong Obi-Wan really is and how smart he is. And, you know, he ends up just being much more skilled than is portrayed in a lot of the other things, uh, movies rather. And that's like a really interesting idea to give that strength, like with Yoda, for example, you know, like when you first see Yoda, yeah, he's considered this great warrior, but you never see him um, fight or, you know, um, crack some skulls. He's just kind of sitting there, like giving you advice on how to live on. And that's it. (laughs) Yeah, dude, that's a very great point. I totally forgot about the whole Yoda thing, too, because not to say I forgot about Yoda. I just forgot about that um, old wise master thing because at the end of the day, man, when I first saw and I kept rewatching it growing up as a kid, right? Um, five and six, you're like, Yoda's just this crazy old hermit, right? You'd never really thought about him being that elegant warrior that he actually is. And granted, yeah, one, two, and three, Yoda is still like ancient, but he's still doing things man he's teaching younglings he's fighting Sith he's he's doing it all um that being said that's another point man like I said it it just really broadens your horizon of all these characters gives you brand new knowledge because when you just watch four or five and six you're like oh this crazy old little hermit Kermit the frog looking guy just on this remote planet apparently teaching Luke and how he was a force. And when Yoda um, was saying to Luke, he's too old to be trained and um, he's too reckless, this and that. And then Obi-Wan was like, yeah, so was I. But now 
you really got to see what that's truly all like and about in the Clone Wars series, as well as episode uh, two and three, um, which it really deepens your understanding of all these movies, which is great. Um, really brings a lot more context, really makes it a lot more deep in thought. Man, like, for example, right? Um, I just watched episode uh, four recently, right? Um, In episode four, we see Darth Vader fighting Obi-Wan Kenobi on the Death Star, and that's, like, probably, like, the second or third act of the movie. Um, They fight. It is what it is. The choreographing um, isn't the best, but you know, who cares? It's a Star Wars movie at that time. It was done in the 70s. Um, when I saw them fight, I was like, eh, it is what it is. Cool lightsabers. It's Darth Vader. It's Obi-Wan Kenobi. It is what it is. But then after seeing um, 1, 2, and 3, you kind of really understand, you know, this was his Padawan. This was Obi-Wan's Padawan. They were like, chilling together they went on battles missions they were in it with each other only to find out he just got betrayed he got twisted by the dark side and that was like really powerful what really hit me the other day i did not realize this right during that fight scene this is this might blow your mind because dude it blew my mind um that's the only time between Anakin and well, Anakin becoming uh, Vader, he literally says Darth Vader during that fight scene on the Death Star. Obi Wan eventually just says, "You're a master of evil, Darth," um, and calls him Darth Vader. Which to me, rewatching it two million times, I never noticed. But I'm like, yo, this man just called him Darth Vader for the first time ever. So to me, that's so impactful because when you're watching things like the prequels, he always says Anakin, 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 Anakin. Even when Anakin turned to the dark side, he literally said Anakin, 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 because he kind of felt still that connection, that bond, that brotherly, um, I guess you could say that love, that connection that they had originally. Even, Even when he was about to kill Anakin, and vice versa, right? On Mustafar, he said, you were like my brother, Anakin. But now, he has realized Anakin is gone. He is destroyed. He is dead. And now that he has called him Darth Vader, because of that Mustafar scene, because of all of episode three and everything that happened in the past, it hit so much harder. Because you're like, yo, that's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> this is this is what I mean, man, when it comes down to Star Wars and it being so impactful and how impactful um the movies and timelines are with one another because I don't know if you ever noticed that, but to me when I when I heard that yesterday, it blew my mind. Yeah, I mean I, I never noticed that, but something I just noticed talking, um, like you commented that Yoda was saying for example, like another thing that just came to me when Yoda was saying in the first ones that um, the originals that Luke was too old to be trained. The same thing was said about Luke's dad, Anakin. Yeah. Um, way back when. And it, it just never registered. But it was the same kind of idea that there's a lot of fear you have in you. And it's just kind of 
two sides of the same coin is just how they both decided to deal with that fear. And Luke decided to face it and Anakin decided to embrace it. But like, you know, that just literally hit me about five minutes ago. <laughs> yeah. And man, that's, that's the thing we, we were talking about before jumping on the podcast, getting new information, getting, getting that new idea in your head of something you maybe never thought about before. And for those of you who are listening, who are also massive Star Wars fans, Maybe you never thought about what Rusty just said or what I said, and maybe you just got a whole new appreciation for that scene. Because I listen to a ton of Star Wars podcasts. Uh, the two most frequently I listen to is uh, the Rex and Round Show and Java the Pod, and both of those really occasionally go into detail of uh, certain things. Um, and sometimes I'll like listen to their podcast while well, on a bike ride or something, and they'll say something that happened in an episode of Clone Wars. And I'll like pause for a moment. I'm like, whoa, I never thought about that. That's crazy. That's that's insane. And what's crazy too is like these little facts and details totally change everything that you know about that one scene, that one character, that one arc. Because to be honest, Rusty, I would have not thought about that Yoda thing until you mentioned it. Like that totally slipped my mind. Like I just learned something today. <laughs> uh oh. <laughs> Like that's crazy. Like you're very true. Yoda, Yoda did say that. Anakin said that. Um, that's crazy. That's crazy. And I think, I think too, Anakin. He really wanted to be a Jedi, but he was kind of afraid to leave his mom. And I know when um, Luke said, uh, "I want to be a Jedi." And then Luke said, hey, I'm not afraid. And Yoda said, oh, you will be. I think that also then was kind of mirroring Anakin. Um, Anakin's younger, younger self of his fear to leaving his mother. And now Luke being afraid to um, now potentially do this training. But like I said, man, this timeline thing, it brings a whole new appreciation. Now you will go back. I can guarantee you, you will now go back and watch all these films and it will be totally different films now. Totally different. And that's, that's one thing I love about talking about Star Wars and these timelines and different nooks and crannies of certain scenes. When you get a new perspective, when you, something, when you learn something, it's a totally new movie. I don't know if you feel that way, but man, but because of these little small details, like when I first noticed the whole like Darth Vader thing in episode four, man, totally new movie, totally new movie. I'm going to have to give that a shot. Like, like I said, um, I was trying to watch episode one a little bit. And I mean, some of the stuff I was even learning from that just was mind boggling. Um, You know, like we had kind of, well, I guess we can talk about it now where, um, I w- had been wondering for a while who Anakin's father was, for example. Yeah. There was all this, all these theories coming out, and it's finally been confirmed that his father was Emperor Palpatine, but he found a way to manipulate the Metachlorians in Anakin's mother to have her basically just give birth and take care of Anakin, but um, Palpatine always intended Anakin to come to the dark side. It was just kind of a matter of time, which is really bizarre to think about now throughout like the whole Clone Wars series he's this you know good guy that kind of bends the rules but does what he thinks needs to get done in order to save the innocent people and at the end of it all I was kind of just part of his development of becoming this kind of you know um, 
kill gene, if you will. Yeah, no, that's very true. Um, it's really interesting to also think about the timeline of Anakin Skywalker, like you said, pretty much born without a father from Palpatine. Um, and there's still a lot of speculation too as of why Palpatine truly made Anakin. Um, what was his intention? Why did he? Why did he do that? I mean, a lot of people saying he he did so because he pretty much created the perfect Sith for him. Um, we continuously provided him with, um, or provided himself, Pal- Palpatine, by the way, um, different Sith that kind of failed over and over and over again. And then only he's like, hey, man, I'm just going to breed this kid to be as powerful as ever. So Palpatine, what's very interesting about his character is he always thinks about like two steps ahead, right? Um, he goes, I'm going to create the most powerful Sith. What I'm going to do is I'm going to breed him as a Jedi first. Why? I really wanted to gain all the powers. I really want to have him train with the best of the best, learn many different styles, many different outlooks, etc., then turn him when the time's right. While I'm doing that, I'm also going to be building an army in the background to help him eradicate the Jedi when it comes time to it. So, within that being said, there is a ton of small little details like that that I am now noticing and it's it's crazy. It's it's truly crazy to think about. Um like for example, man, um the uh one of my favorite things in Star Wars is something called it's not really one of my favorites, but uh, it's a really cool idea to think about is the Battle of Jakku. Um, the Battle of Jakku, for you, Rusty, since you probably don't know what happens much after Episode 6, um, it was pretty much the Empire's last stand, right? After the, um, uh, whatchamacallit, the Empire disbanded, right? And not really disbanded. After Palpatine died, there was word that Palpatine died, and they were all trying to figure out what to do, what to do, what to do. And then they had something called Operation Cinder. Um, During Operation Cinder, what actually happened was the Empire was pretty much killing itself just to start over again. Like, pretty much wiping out everything they currently had to pretty much start over brand new, right? Um, Then they heard uh, there was going to be a blockade, I believe. I'm not 100% sure. I'm a little foggy on this information right now. But then at the end of that little incursion, they said, you know what? We're just going to give them everything. They sent a ton of Imperial Star Destroyers, AT-ATs, to pretty much combat the rebels. And said, this is pretty much all we got. We're just going to give them everything. We're going to eradicate them. We're going to take over the galaxy again. But then the, the rebels destroyed them. The rebels like literally massacred them. Um, and that's why when you see... Uh, in Force Awakens, the opening scene is that down Star Destroyer. Like, that's one of the first things that you see, and that was part of the Battle of Jakku. Um, and how the First Order formed is because a couple of uh, um, Empire, I guess you could say, sympathizers or loyalists or whatever they were, 
um, evacuated. They kind of like left and did their own thing. And like, you know, we're going to rebuild the empire. Which they pretty much did in a way. Um, but yeah, man. Like I said, something like that. I mean, there's always still new things to learn, new things to explore in that either error, timeline, or whatever have you. And that's what, like I said, I've said this probably like 15 million times already in this podcast. That's what I love about Star Wars. The fact you can always continuously expand different knowledge and different outlooks about things. Like, for example, man, we never needed it. We never needed 7, 8, 9. We got it. Kind of cool to explore what happened after um, Empire Strikes Back. We never needed Clone Wars, but we got to now explore what happened in between two and three and to fill up a lot of those uh, character either plot holes or um, informational that we were kind of missing or maybe even figure out new characters um, that really had a bigger impact like Ahsoka Tano on um, the overall story of Star Wars. Um, and it also, like I said, makes you look at Star Wars completely differently. We didn't need Star Wars Rebels, but we got it. Um, and I know some people are not super happy with some of them. And what I kind of come to realize is no matter what you do, someone's going to complain about it in some way, shape, or form. Um, which is fine. But kind of going back to Clone Wars a little bit. Um, Darth Maul, man. Darth Maul. Um, I don't know how you feel about Maul, but at the end of the day, I feel like he was a huge integral part now to the overall story of uh, in between two, three, and kind of going into four now. Yeah, I mean, I, I think Darth Maul was a really interesting character. They didn't use him. Um, I shouldn't say use him. They didn't do a lot of development in the movies. But in the series, I think it was Clone Wars and Rebels, right? Where he ends up kind of uh, making an appearance several times. Yeah. Um, I know in Rebels, they do a, a lot more backstory, I believe, about the sense of like what happens after he was supposedly killed by uh, Obi-Wan. And it, it kind of shows you that, um, like from my interpretation, that Maul isn't really as bad he he i shouldn't say bad he's not as kind of cutthroat if you will as uh vader or palpatine he was a little bit more manipulative so i mean it, it in rebels it made it a very interesting point of making maul come off as this kind of nice guy that was just trying to help um you know a, a, a few of the rebels and it ends up being that he was only doing it because he wanted to get the holocron and to make the i think it was make the empire pay for what they had done to him right because they basically abandoned him. yeah so and this is i don't think it's spoiler territory anymore i mean clone wars has been out for a while it's been on disney plus the series has ended a little over two months ago um season five him and his brother Savage um, pretty much was fighting Palpatine and Palpatine pretty much destroyed him. Like he killed Savage. Palpatine killed Savage. Uh, he entrapped um, Maul and Maul was like, yo, like you are a master. I can't believe you did that. And this is because of the whole rule two thing, which we can talk about in another episode. 
Um, but because of that, Maul is kind of pissed at Palpatine and kind of pissed at the Sith to be like, yo, I can't believe like you threw me out like that. Um, and he wasn't really a fan of the Sith. That's why Maul, um, or when Ezra goes, you're Sith, and Maul's like, no, 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 I'm not. Formerly Darth, now just Maul. That was his, um, that was his actual, I think, quote in Rebels. Um, yeah, man, and now because of Maul's character in either Rebels or Clone Wars, now you're looking at certain scenes in, like, Episode 3, or you're trying to figure out things in, like, Episode 4. Not Episode 4, he died before Episode 4. Um, well, mainly Episode 3. Um, or maybe even a little bit after, like, hey, Maul, Maul's running around at this time. Like, that's something you never would have thought of if you just saw Episode 1. You never would have thought in the back of your mind, like, hey... Um, Obi-Wan's here, Maul has to be here now. Because now that I've watched Season 7 of the Clone Wars, um, in the timeline, I'm now looking at things differently because I'm like, yo, Ahsoka has to be here, Anakin's here, Obi-Wan's there, Maul's over here. Um, And it really makes you think about differently about certain scenes because I know in Season 7 they added a couple scenes to your overall perspective of... um, uh, episode three, and that's that's one thing I really enjoyed. We didn't need, but enjoyed to get it like a little different perspective. Because the scene where it goes, "Hey, uh, or May saying, I I sent a plot to destroy the Jedi," and then during that whole roundtables thing, that was really all we got to see. Yoda, him talking. We got Kiari Mundi there. We got. Um, we didn't see him in the movie in episode three, but we saw him on a holocron. Uh, Caleb Dune, which is uh, uh, Kanan Jarrus in Rebels. We get to see him in the Clone Wars season seven. You wouldn't have saw him otherwise in episode three. And then afterwards, you get to see Yoda um, talk to Ahsoka. And uh, Mace talk to Ahsoka in season seven. And now it's that same, same scene in um, episode three. So getting those abilities to continuously expand the timeline and her knowledge based on these little things, whether it be shows, movies, books, comics, games, it it's brilliant. Like I said, man, I, I, I kind of mentioned this in episode one, but I don't think there's another franchise that really goes in depth, filling in gaps, filling in holes. Um, Expanding on our universal knowledge, expanding on characters, adding new and exciting lore every which way we go. Yeah, I mean, I I completely agree with that. And if there is one out there, like, I don't know about you, but I'd be really interested to find out what it is. Agreed. I know, like you said, Rusty, that you're, you're not massively into Star Wars, but I think... For those who are just getting into Star Wars, because I know people are getting into Star Wars every day. Star Wars used to be that nerdy thing that only like the, the nerd of the nerds liked, right? But now it's become such a big cultural phenomenon and the Clone Wars Season 7 happened and everything. It's become this widely accepted form of media that it's kind of hard to ignore it now. And it's kind of hard to ignore wanting to look into more, wanting to go and deeper diving um, to some of the characters or um, 
some of the backstory, whether it be from planets or uh, ships or um, treaties or whatever you're interested in, man. And that's one thing about Star Wars that I also love, too. It literally has everything in it. Comedy, romance, action, suspense, everything. Any genre you have, Star Wars has it. Um, and as a timeline perspective, it literally has something for everyone. Um, I don't know about our timeline talk, but judging from someone who's like not like super super into Star Wars, does this kind of make you want to explore Star Wars a little bit more in kind of a grand scale? Yeah, it it makes me kind of see some connections, and we talked about this off the podcast um, that you wouldn't know were normally there. Um, you know, and it, it kind of just helps open your your eyes a little bit. So it's not as much as you know blinder vision um, when you're seeing it and just having it be okay. It's just whatever is on the TV show or in the movies. It's kind of making you go. And I've done it before when I'm watching Star Wars. I'll think of some of these random questions, um, and I'll you know I'll kind of like half-heartedly take a look and if i don't find an answer i don't dig that deep into it i'll just kind of go oh okay that's you know they there is no answer for uh like say who anakin's father is and then just kind of leave it at that and not really do a lot of digging and so i mean the more we talk about this the more it kind of opens my eyes to like you were saying a lot of this stuff um that actually has some kind of you know, ripples down the way that you may not recognize until after you've had the the knowledge to help you understand what's going on. Totally, 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 totally. So, like I kind of mentioned before, <sighs> Star Wars, timelines, it's kind of hard to ignore. Um, so, Rusty, you, you've seen season seven of Clone Wars, right? Yes. Do you do you recall the Bad Batch? Yeah, those are cool. So they're actually doing a brand new series called The Bad Batch. It's going to come out in 2021. And I know for some people that might be their first inclination of Star Wars. That might be their first ever Star Wars. Um. So because of that, they might say, hey, where where'd the Bad Batch come from? Like, when did we first get introduced to them? That's when they go back and look at episode um, one of season seven of Clone Wars. And I go, yo, I didn't realize they were in here. Now I have to watch all of season uh, seven. And they do that. And they're like, yo, that's dope. I got to watch all of Clone Wars now. And they watch all of Clone Wars. And they might go, um, hey, now I might want to look at what happened prior and after the Clone Wars. Then they'll watch one, two, and three. They're like, great, what happened after three? Like, where did Anakin go after he became Darth Vader? Where did Obi-Wan go? Then they'll watch four, five, and six. They're like, yo, that's crazy. What happens afterwards? I'm kind of curious. Then they might watch Mandalorian. Then they might watch seven, eight, nine. It's always and forever growing. Um... And that's one thing, man. Um, I'm part of some Star Wars discords, and I, I own my own as well. Um, and that's one thing we always continue to talk about is just the overall grand scheme of timeline 
this is one thing I love about Star Wars is there's endless information. There's endless knowledge about characters, books, comics, games, movies, whatever, because no matter what form of media you have, it's going to expand it on in some way, shape, or form. But one thing I am, am worried about, I never, never want Star Wars to end. I know that sounds super selfish, and yeah, it's going to end eventually. We all have to let go eventually of things that are, uh, well, time to let go sometimes. That makes no sense. So let me backtrack. Sometimes when things go on long enough, we have to eventually say it's time to be let go because uh, either it's done its job, it's done its duty, whatever have you. I know a lot of people hated the sequel trilogy. They're like, yo, we didn't need it. That was garbage. It ruined Luke's character, yada, yada, yada. Whatever you feel about the sequel trilogy, we have the sequel trilogy now. And I'm, I'm, I'm grateful for the fact that we just got more Star Wars to view. Um. And that's another thing, man. Like, I know a lot of people may not like everything Star Wars that comes out, and that's totally understandable. Um, but just continuously expanding that knowledge of Star Wars is what I'm all about. I love it. And I love seeing these Star Wars, and I never truly want it to end. Um, and I hope it never does end. But like I kind of mentioned, I know it eventually will end. Whether it be they just completed the stories they want to say, or it's just not making enough money anymore, or whatever it might be. My only fear is they put money in front of storytelling. They do not care about the fans. They do not care about the overall message and story of Star Wars. So they just continuously pump it out because they knew it's going to be um, profitable, right? And I know a lot of corporations and companies, they might do that where they think, hey, people like it. Let's just keep doing it until it stops making money, which totally understand and star wars is kind of sort of doing that a little bit but as an overall thing people love the mandalorian people loved season seven of clone wars um so they still got a decent track record but i don't know about you man but i would love to put star wars to rest meaning not have any more content if it meant amazing amazing content and just stops. Yeah. I mean, I, I have to agree with that. I mean, there's always going to be fans that are going to try to pick up the mantle. It's, it's kind of like comics, right? If, if you look at Marvel comics, for example, there's always someone um, that ends up picking up the mantle. Like how many times, and I, I believe you would know this, how many times have they rebooted like Iron Man? Or Captain too many times to count. Yeah. Or Thor. So, you know, if it's something, and in, in to a degree, like you said, it's, it's a business. So it'd be kind of stupid to just let it burn out. So they may come back down the road and try to reboot a part of Star Wars. And maybe they'll reboot the whole Star Wars universe and have it be something completely different. Um, but, you know, it, it's the kind of thing where I don't think they'll let it go peacefully. It, it would be nice, but I think they view it as too much of a cash cow to just let it kind of die off in peace. Yeah, and that's the thing, man. You you attach the word Star Wars to anything, you know it's going to sell. You know people are going to watch it. You know people are going to get into it because now Star Wars is not like a nerd thing like we kind of talked about before, but it's more of this cultural phenomenon that everyone and anyone can enjoy. 
because it does have a little bit of everything in it. Um, but but back to the whole money situation, man. George Lucas, man, after he did one, two, and three, he said, I'm done. I'm done with Star Wars. I am done. Um, then he made Clone Wars, right? Then after Clone Wars ended, there was no Star Wars content. We had nothing. We had nothing. Um, I think... What was it? 2000... I want to say 2016? No, earlier. 2014, probably, right? Um, We got Star Wars Rebels. Let me actually look this up, because now I'm kind of curious. We got Star Wars Rebels, which lasted four seasons, and that's, that's really about it. But once we were done with something, we still got a little bit more, but not to the point we're doing now, man. Like, for example, this year alone, 2020, Technically, 2019 is when it started. Um, we got Mandalorian. Came out in November. Disney Plus. I remember that was the first thing I ever watched on Disney Plus. Um, we got Clone Wars Season 7. We got... Cause this, is, this is exactly what happened when Disney happened, right? Everyone says, Disney killed Star Wars. Disney killed Star Wars. But I'm like, hey, man, let's look at what they did from 2012 on. Or I think they bought them in 2012, if I'm not mistaken. Um I'm actually looking that up right now. Because I am curious. Yes, 2012. I was right. Um, when Disney bought Star Wars in 2012, George Lucas just made 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, and 6. Um, uh, what should I call it? Clone Wars. And that was it, man. He was done. But then, because of that, Rebels came out. We had six or three new uh, Star Wars movies. We had a new season of Clone Wars, which we got back. We had the Mandalorian season one, now season two. We're also now getting a Kenobi series, which unfortunately is only going to be six episode long in a series, which I'm not too happy about, but I understand. And we're also getting a new Bad Batch series and a whole bunch of comics. So... Those people who continue to say, hey, man, Disney killed Star Wars. I'm like, Disney, in my personal opinion, saved Star Wars. Even though you maybe not be super excited about everything they've done, which is totally fine. Everyone has their own personal opinions. But I just feel like they saved the franchise. Because, you know, if it wasn't for Disney, man, Star Wars would have been done by now. It would have just been probably memory. Yes, there would still be merchandise, and probably still people would occasionally write books and comics and everything. There might be a video game here and there, but otherwise, man, there wouldn't be as much content as we've gotten already. Because if we just look at 2019 to 2020, we've had The Mandalorian, we've had Rise of Skywalker, we've had Clone Wars Season 7, we've had a couple books, we've had um, a couple games come out. We are now getting um, the new Mandalorian season two, technically. Um, I know Bad Batch is going to come into twenty one, but Disney revitalized Star Wars, and I know it's a big money maker for them, and I understand, and that's why Galaxy's Edge was made. But because of these situations, we are continuously getting new Star Wars, and. I, I hope, like as mentioned before, it doesn't stop. 
but I know eventually it will. Nothing ever lasts forever. I know, like, when when you talked about, like, Thor and everything, I know Marvel Comics has lasted over, like, 75 years. And they're still making comics of Thor, comics of Spider-Man. But it's not the same Spider-Man. It's not the same Thor. It's not that same story that you know. Same characters, maybe, but different. I know a lot of people didn't really like the fact that um, Solo was made. I know they didn't like The Last Jedi, so they were boycotting Solo, which I think was a stupid idea, stupid causality, but I love Solo, personally. Um, I know some people legitimately had complaints about the actor saying, hey man, he's really not representing Harrison Ford well, no one can be a younger younger Solo, um, etc., etc. So like I said, back um, earlier in the podcast, people are going to complain about everything. But I would love to hear your opinion on did Disney save Star Wars? Are you asking personally? Yeah, I mean, do you, do you think Disney actually helped revitalize Star Wars into what we know now? Yeah, I mean, it, I think it would have been really interesting to see what Lucas was going to do if he had been left alone. Um it, it sounds like, now you probably know more to the story than I do, but I thought one of the reasons that Disney kind of picked up the mantle was that Lucas was kind of running out of funds to a degree, wasn't he? Like, wasn't it kind of a finan- a bit of a financial issue? Uh, unfortunately, no. So what happened was he was meeting with, I think, Bob Iger at the time, who was the former CEO of Disney before Chapek just stepped in. This, by the way, Chapek to Bob Iberger and vice versa. The, uh, the the CEO switch happened recently. So we now have Chapek in the office compared to Iger, who used to be the CEO. But um, he kept he kept having meeting with George, and he pretty much just said, hey, man, um, I got a real quick question. Uh, so Star Wars, right? You're getting older. What's going to happen to it when you're gone? What are you going to do? And George goes, you know, I don't know. I haven't thought about that. And he goes, you know what? Let me just buy it off of you. Let me just take it off your hands. Don't worry about it. And he goes, okay. But this is what I don't like about Disney for doing two Star Wars. Um, not necessarily I don't, don't like Disney for doing Star Wars, but I wish they kept his original script. George had an original 79 script. And Disney said to, uh, or technically Bob, said to um, George, hey, we're going to use your original script for 789. We're going to bring these new movies. We're going to bring them to light. Your vision, your story, your stuff. Which, of course, we now know, unfortunately, that's not true because they didn't use his scripts. They didn't use any of his source material. Um. So they pretty much just bought Star Wars off of him and just did their own thing, which is completely fine. Um, I know there are some fans that are not super happy about where they're going or what they might do in the future to some characters or who knows what. I know um, there was a quote. I can't remember what it was. I think it was about... um, uh, the Old Republic. Someone asked, hey, are we going to see a movie? Are we going to see this? Are we going to see this kind of content? 
which Kathleen Kennedy goes, hey, we don't have the lore or we don't have the backstory. So we can't, we don't have source material pretty much. And then I was like, before you pretty much decanonized everything, you had books, comics, movies, games, all about that one era. Um, so I think Disney just wants to focus on making original new content. Um, I know they did Rebels, which I really enjoyed. I really enjoyed. Um, they did Resistance, which is not my favorite show, but it is what it is. It's tolerable to me. Um, they made a couple games, but as a general consensus, man, we would have never gotten any of this new Star Wars stuff if it wasn't for Disney. So I really got to applaud Disney for trying to um, keep us fans interested, keeping us really engaged in the Star Wars and trying to always give us new content without it feeling dry. Because we're, we're apparently going to get Mandalorian Season 2 this year. Right? We don't know exactly when that's happening. We don't know anything about that per se right now. We just know it's coming. Hopefully we get it this year still, but due to COVID we really don't know. Um, like I said, man, Disney definitely helped revitalize Star Wars because without, without Disney, man, it would just be dry. We would have nothing. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, I I think it's, it's interesting to see also that, um, you know, Disney, I think they were a bigger company than Lucas, weren't they? I mean, even before, even when Lucas Arts was its own thing. Yeah. So Disney, as we know, has a lot more intellectual properties than something like Lucasfilms, right? Lucas, um, I was actually watching a documentary, and uh, I think you should. What the heck? <laughs> was that you? What happened? I thought you like did a loud burp. I could be mistaken. No. Well. <laughs> <laughs> okay then <laughs> okay <laughs> so um, there's a documentary on Disney Plus that I highly recommend you watch Rusty it's called Empire of Dreams it's about how George Lucas created um, 4, 5, and 6 and 1, 2, and 3 etc he pretty much funded it himself because he didn't want a big studio to get involved and pretty much claim the rights to the film etc etc it is what it is um, he then built Skywalker Sound. He then did Skywalker Ranch. He also founded something called ILM, which is Industrial Light Magic, which is his like visual effects studio. Like because of Star Wars, he's branched out to different avenues of filmmaking. Whereas Disney, instead of doing something like that, um, they just branched out into new intellectual properties like. Let's do Toy Story. Then we're going to do... Um, uh, what's another Disney film? Princess and the Bride. That that a Disney film? I, I don't have... think so. Uh, Snow White then. Let's say so Snow White. <laughs> um, things like that, man. Whereas Lucas is more innovative when it comes down to his applications. Disney is more innovative when it comes down to the intellectual property. Fun 
fact I did not know because of the Empire Dreams. Did you know Lucas actually created Pixar? George Lucas created Pixar? Yeah, it wasn't called Pixar at the time, but then after he sold it to Disney, Disney renamed it to Pixar. I thought Pixar was created by Steve Jobs. It, well, I I could have sworn it said in the Empire Dreams that he created it. He he could have, but I know Jobs, for example, left Apple and went off and developed a few other companies. I thought he developed Pixar and um you know there's also like drinkworks and all that so i i don't know that's just what i heard i could be wrong oh um so it's a george lucas had a company called lucasfilm in 1971 lucasfilm had a division of specialized computer graphics he sold the division to steve jobs and then he named it pixar that's what it was so so him and jobs are kind of like not exactly partners but they work together yeah, so what I what I understood is George Lucas made the company earlier on. Lucasfilm sold it to Steve Jobs. Steve Jobs then named it Pixar, and then Pixar then was sold to Disney. Yeah, yeah. Jobs probably put like the finishing touches on it and made it more mainstream, if you will. Right. Probably a lot smaller when. Then when he George got Lucas, man, back in the day, he, he was a really big innovator. Like, no one ever thought about utilizing as much practical effects. Because if you look at Star Wars now, and yeah, granted, he did put some visual effect touches on it, like in the special editions. But even, even the older ones, man, it's still ahead of its time. It's way ahead of its time. Oh, yeah. I remember watching, um, I think it was on one of the VHSs where they had, like, an extended edition or something or no i'm sorry it was a dvd my parents bought me the that that had all three on it and there was a behind the scenes and they talked about how they had to do some of the um i I guess you could call them the space fights basically and what they did you know this and those people that are hardcore star wars fans probably know this as well but they had to do basically drive-bys on a truck and they had a massive kind of like if you've ever played or heard of the game warhammer kind of a big table like that that had what looked like the ship set up and it had mini explosives on it and they had to drive by going like 15 or 20 miles an hour filming to make it look like the planes were going by and having the bombs hit and the shots go off that was how they did it back in the 70s which is insane to think about i mean that's so creative yeah dude What's nuts, too, is this all is kind of talked about in the Empire of Dreams documentary. And like I said, I highly recommend that you watch that. I love that documentary now. Like, it really brought into a whole new light of, like, what it took to make a Star Wars film. Like, a lot of, like, the X-Wing explosions, Y-Wing explosions were actually, like, detailed pieces. They, like, exploded. Um uh, the walkers, the ATATs, ATSTs, were actually motion captured. Like they were moving each individual leg and everything. Um, a lot of the sounds were not, of course, made on computers like they are now. Like if you want a laser sound, you'll just hire like an audio engineer who just will go on like Ableton or something, right? And play with a synthesizer and like make a pew sound. And that will be then your laser gun sound. 
back then they didn't really have that thing so they would really go out and start making like weird sounds for all these new technologies um what about this what's up those are cool the theaters there there was um a behind the scenes thing where they talked about all the theaters are basically cars and then they had to go over on the film way back when they came out with like episode um I think it was in the original episodes when, what was it? Like episode four, I think, when Luke was driving around in a speeder um, to make it look like it was hovering. They basically had to go and manually edit because that film was real film. It wasn't digital. They had to go back and somehow like find a way to wipe out the wheels and the chassis of the car to make it look like it was hovering. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's really crazy to think about. I know we kind of deviated away from the timeline subject, but it's really crazy to think about like how much detail Lucas really wanted to put into these little little bits of um, film that we never would have thought about today because now we have everything pretty much on computer and everything is digitally generated. And we have now been able to even replicate humans in a way um, on a digital film, which is crazy to think about where that back then never would have been a thing. Um, like Rogue One, for example, right? Tarkin, Grand Admiral or Grand Moff Tarkin looks so real. Looks so real. He was completely computer generated. Same thing with Carrie Fisher, um, Princess Leia um, in that film too. So it's crazy to see really how far we've come in film and how far Lucas has pushed the film industry because without his special effects that he did in the original films, I don't think none of this would have been possible. Yeah, probably not. Um, Or it would have been, but just in a different way. Um, I don't, I don't know about you, but I think it's, it's uh, (laughs) we've been going on for a little while. It might be time for this podcast to come to an end. Yeah. I agree, man. I agree. So, guys, hey, we we thank you. We thank you for being here. We thank you for joining us on this journey of Star Wars. Um, if you want, leave a like, leave a rating, do what you need to do. Um, hopefully you enjoyed this. And if you want to hear more, just hit that follow button. And we shall see you next week. Oh, one other thing that I want to mention. I do have a Discord in case you all want to jump in and say hi. I'm pretty active there. Um, it's a little fun Star Wars community we built. So if that interests you, shoot us a little, shoot us a little hello in the Discord. Um, if not, we'll see you all next week. And may the Force be with you. Always. Maybe not always sometimes because we all know occasionally we get in those moods, but it is what it is. Yes, it it is. <laughs> all right, guys. We'll 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 talk to you later. Take care. <laughs>